Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm Lee Gerstman, and I was banned from this podcast, and I'm not too happy about it. So, fuck these guys. Go to hell. So, here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Enjoy. I know I will, even if they did ban me. Fucking assholes. Hola, yo soy Dr. Singeta, y conmigo es... Ah, sí, yo soy el Ayatollah, el alcoholica, señor Ian Wadley. El maricón. <laughs> no maricón. <laughs> I called you Maddie Cohen. Oh, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, you remind me of a Jewish chick. <laughs> All right. Well, you're probably wondering why we did the intro in Spanish. I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know there's a lot of pussies that are afraid of this caravan coming to the United States, but we're looking at it as potential listeners, so we want to make you feel welcome. Welcome to a rock and metal combat podcast. Andale, andale, arriba! <laughs> That's uh, Mexican. That's not Cuban. Oh. Yeah. That's where they're coming from. I'm not... I'm not up with current news. What is that? Uh, caravan from Mexico? No, no, man. They're from way south. Way, 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 way south of Mexico. Where? Hialeah? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Detroit. Yeah, uh, cool. <laughs> All but right. Hey, yeah. Hey, we could use the listeners, so I'm not worried about it. So, uh, so Ian, um, we got any iTunes reviews? Well... Funny you should ask. No, we don't have new iTunes reviews, but we did get new iTunes ratings. Mm. These are people who will give it a rating but are too lazy to write anything. And uh, it makes sense because they were all negative. <laughs> really? Got, yeah. Oh, because of the poll. I'm sure it was yeah. the poll. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we, we got two, two additional two-star ratings and one additional one-star rating. But, uh, but they were too chicken shit to leave a review. Ah, the peasants against the kings. It's always the same. Yes, but still overall, we have a, uh, a five-star rating on iTunes, which is pretty nice. We have 139 five-stars. Right. Uh, three four-stars, one three-star, four two-stars, and three one-stars. So majority rule, mob rules... We're a five-star fucking show. Well, I do find it shocking that they can afford the internet to get on iTunes since they can't afford to put any money into the Rock and Pod Expo. Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> andale, andale. <laughs> Clock strikes ten. Uh, Cox, I'll suck ten. I think that's what they're called. Yeah, sucks ten Cox. Yeah! Sucks all right, uh, yeah, but we don't have any new iTunes reviews, and it's been a while, so those of you who haven't written one yet, do it, because I love reading that shit. And make sure to give two stars to uh, Cock. Yeah, I'll suck ten. <laughs> yeah, sucks ten cocks. Give them a two-star. Yeah, give them a two-star. And then hey, rock and, pe- rock and pe- uh, Metal Army. <laughs> do it. <laughs> All right, well, fuck it, man. We haven't done news in a while. Am I yeah. And, and, and let the people know, this is the first time, you know, last episode, it was all KISS. But this is actual news we're going to do for the first time 
with the episode at the same time. Because we usually we record an episode, then we tack on news like days later. We're doing everything now all in one bunch of uh, andale andales. Yeah. And I would like to start the news if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead, start it. Today at noon, I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, good for you. What'd you think? Oh my God, it was amazing. I mean, amazing. What a movie, man. I'm telling you, I went in there a little skeptical, you know, because I was thinking this is going to be one of those, you know, the trailer's better than the movie. And even the trailer had me a little worried at spots. I was like, eh. Now, I will say this. For Queen nerds, you're going to get really pissed. because, And I'm not going to give no spoilers away. This, this, These are the spoilers I'm giving that really doesn't affect the plot at all. Um, the... It starts off, you know, when Freddie, you know, goes to see Smile, you know, the, the band pre-Queen. That was a three-piece. Uh, you know, um, they played Doing All Right. Okay, that's a good timeline. Then when Freddie joins Queen and he gets on stage, they do um, Keep Yourself Alive. Good timeline. But then after that, it went fucking hog wild, dude. Fat bottom girls during the sheer heart attack era. Um, oh, no. They, they, they wrote, We Will Rock You after 1980. <laughs> it was, uh, that was the, and dude, Roger Taylor and Brian Way were part of this. Why they went with this? Now, I, the only thing I can think of, like, you know, after when I was sitting at home analyzing it, I was thinking to myself, you know, the movie flowed so well that maybe, just maybe, you know, the, the scenes of them uh, writing, We Will Rock You and, and all that stuff, I think would have probably slowed it down a little bit if they put it like earlier. And it did kind of go with the the vibe of what was going on with Freddie and Queen at the time. You know, I mean, they, and I've seen some people already. I, you know, everybody's gonna fuck. It. There's always gonna be people that say it sucks. And a lot of people, oh, it's so fucking inaccurate. Fuck it, it sucks. It sucks. Well, I don't know, cause I am a Queen fan, but I never read Freddie Mercury books. I don't really know, you know, the whole deal of what was going on behind the scenes. But, you know, the movie does depict a lot of turmoil in the band. And, and you know, I just want to dispel a few things that were rumors about this movie. Um, there, there's, there were rumors that they didn't really expand enough on Freddie Mercury's bisexuality. Let me tell you something. In this movie, he was so gay, he made Greg Barnes look like Charles Bronson. Whoa. Yeah, there was a lot of gayness in this movie, a lot of bisexualness, because he was in love with this chick, and that chick was a big part of the movie. Um, you know, they did touch a lot upon the, uh, you know, the AIDS. They didn't go like really into it, but yeah, there was, you know, there was scenes that you know expanded upon the AIDS, and uh, it wasn't a fluff piece. It wasn't this, you know, glorious thing. And also, a lot of people say this movie's more about Queen than Freddie Mercury. Oh, no. This movie's a Freddie Mercury movie. You know, you have Queen as the background, and it shows also Queen. You know, the individual members of Queen are very well represented and what they did in the band, this and that, but the story really focused on Freddie Mercury. The whole fucking movie was... It was a Freddie Mercury movie, period. And that guy was phenomenal. And the filming was phenomenal. The concert scenes was phenomenal. Um, and it was just great. And yeah, you know... You're going to the movie as a casual cream friend. You're going to hear all the songs you like. But they did throw in some little nuggets of, you know, not that, you know, well-known well, well known songs, which is cool. 
Uh, and in the credits, they actually show Queen. You know, the video for Don't Stop Me Now, which I love that song. And I just loved it. I just thought it was a great movie. Great, amazing ending. Um, it was beautifully made. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not one to know about Oscar nominees or, or whatever. But, man, I'd be surprised if this shit doesn't win Oscars, you know, for the acting. Because it was very well made, very well done. And I highly recommend it. To not even to even people that aren't, aren't into Queen, it's a very cool story. If it's fiction, uh, I don't know, but it's very well made, very well scripted, and and it flowed amazingly. And when I walked out of the theater, I was shocked. I was like, "Holy fuck!" That movie was over two hours long. It didn't feel that way. It really didn't. And I, I was amazed. You know, it just flowed so well. I didn't, you know, even notice it was that long. Great movie. That's my little review of it. I won't give any spoilers away. Awesome. Well, uh, that's one of those. I'm not going to go to the theater to see it, but yeah, you know, but I'll, definitely I'll, check I'll, it out when it comes out. Oh yeah, I'll watch it when it comes out. And I know, you know, I, I saw online. There's there's a lot of people bitching about you know timeline and, and inaccuracies. Like I, I heard there's a scene where they show fans liking Hot Space, uh, <laughs> you know, and. Uh, <laughs> In the movie, Freddy dies in 9-11, you know, not of AIDS. You know, so they they take a couple liberties. Well, I'll give one one spoiler away. Uh, Freddie Mercury died in the movie uh, by uh, somebody that walked up to him covered in bombs. It was a terrorist. And uh, that terrorist, they even showed who it was. It was was Eric Carr. Oh, oh, man. I was shocked. There you go, (laughs) Kiss News. (laughs) <laughs> all right well kiss news yeah yeah unfortunately out of necessity we have to talk about kiss news this week because that was all over the place uh they did finally announce uh dates for the end of the road tour and man it was all over the fucking internet uh at least my facebook feed but one thing i gotta say is they were also all over tv and not just on, you know, national shows like Jimmy Fallon and uh, what's it, that asshole that does the car- carpool karaoke, they were on that shit. Uh, but all over my local television, there's all kinds of commercials about this Kiss show. They are really promoting this tour, I have to say. Uh, are they promoting on your, on your local TV? Are you seeing commercials for the Kiss show? I haven't. Uh, well, it's not coming down here. Oh, it's not? Oh, okay. It's playing up in North Florida. And that's oh. not a good sign, let me tell you. Okay. Well, uh, well, they, they are advertising the shit out of it here. Uh, I was really surprised. They're and, playing uh, over there? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're playing New Orleans. Uh, you know, which is funny because since I've lived here, uh, they've only played. They did a free show during, like, a college basketball tournament that I went and saw. And they did that, you know... Uh, classic rock fest that i talked about when i saw the horrible show this last time but now they're playing uh the smoothie king the same place we saw rush right and uh ooh, boy I'll, I'll be surprised how they fill that up I, but, I, i'm still surprised they still call the smoothie king yeah uh but uh a lot of people you know at least in our circles of course have bought tickets and everybody bitching about the prices uh, but I, I've, I've noticed that the prices are like out of this world for the floor, but then there's a big, you know, 
drop-off if you want to get nosebleeds. Like Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro are going for $25. Yeah, and uh, get them now because those are going to sell out. I can see those sell out. Well, see, I, I'm the opposite. I say don't get them now. <laughs> I think this shit's well, going to get cheaper. Well, once... no, no, I'm saying the nosebleeds will sell out quick if you want nosebleeds. Yeah, the floor, of course. They're going to, you know, I, I understand the very first show up in Canada somewhere uh, is nearly sold out, and I believe that's a stadium. But, you know, uh, I predicted that. I did predict that it will sell well before video and set lists are released. You think so, huh? Oh, I think this is going to be a bomb, dude. I think I, it's going to just do well overseas and out of America. And Canada is not America. You know? Right. So, so um, I think it's going to do bad I, I i think you know now you know people that are buying tickets they're doing it blindly they don't know what they're in for you know right but yeah i've seen quite a few yeah i gotta tell you you gotta see the iheart interview though that was hilarious i mean oh uh, was it bad no no it was funny because paul paul you know paul goes you know a lot of people talk about <laughs> tommy fair painting my house but he's painting my house while i have a roller too <laughs> so oh. it's it's cool to know they're they they know the all the the Tommy uh, slamming on on uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook how everybody or internet how everybody you know calls them like you know a guy that brings them food and shit like that you know right and, uh, and they, oh yeah and there was another part of the interview where Eric Singer talked about Tommy being in a tribute band and Tommy cuts him off <laughs> <laughs> some good shit. Oh, God. Uh, well, you know, another thing that happened a lot of people talked about, I haven't seen any of it because I can really give a rat's ass at this point, but uh, Vinnie Vincent played with 4 by Fate, and you did watch that. Yeah, I actually watched it live as it happened. It was on my Facebook uh, live feed, some guy that was there on my Facebook, and he, you know, had it on the whole time. Then I saw other footage of it was much closer where you can actually see him play. And, uh, holy fuck, dude. I mean, you know, a lot of people are saying, look, he's saving the shred for the Memphis show because he did no solos. Uh, and, and again, you know, I don't want to say, and I, I still don't want to say this guy can't play. Everybody's saying it. He can't, I'm going to, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait till Me uh, Memphis to say, you know, what I think about his playing, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, and the people that work with him, oh no, he's saving it for the thing. My opinion is. You were in front of an international audience. People that can't go, not all those people are going to Memphis. And right. a lot of people were chanting, oh, hey, oh, hey, you know, South Americans. Uh, they, they can't go to that. I mean, it costs a lot of money to buy plane tickets on a cruise. So you could have thrown out a little solo for them because they were all chanting Vinny. Everybody there was going crazy for Vinny. And uh, he, he couldn't do that. You know, and he's wearing the fucking makeup so he doesn't get sued. He left out the little hole on the top. But his, but his wig is covering that part of the, the, the makeup. So I don't know how that's going to hold up in court. Uh, well, uh, you know, another thing, like, like kind of you were saying, though, if you're getting ready to do a show, wouldn't you want to give a little taste? Yeah, a little so, bit. So, I mean, dude, 10 seconds at least. Yeah, just a little something like to show, hey, I still got it. You know, you better get your ass to Memphis. Uh, and, you know, I mean... It's pretty bad when, you know, the 4 by fake guitar player did the solo to I Love It Loud. I mean, dude, fucking anybody can play that. Right. You know, well, it's, 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 it's Kiss. Anybody can play it, period. But, uh, 
Did you see the other stuff that that I see a lot of people are going crazy about on, on this fucking Kiss cruise? Um, I saw I a, saw a, 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 yeah. up and playing with them. What did you I think s- of that? I saw them doing two thousand man. That's the only thing I saw. Uh, yeah. I did not see this, but somebody said when Ace came up on stage, he hugged Bruce Kulick and walked right past Tommy Thayer and hugged the rest of the guys. I don't know if that's true. That's what somebody said. Um, and then, you know, um, everywhere. Oh, my. Like, it, it did. The funny part is, is when uh, there's a little commentary in the audience when Ace comes out, this guy in the crowd goes, I can't believe I'm seeing this. Dude, it's so predictable that Ace would have been on the unplugged thing because none of them are wearing makeup. But I will be honest with you, Ian. I am still a little worried and a little trembling here that when they do the the electric show and makeup, if Ace gets up on stage with Tommy Thayer in that makeup, I'm going to have to buckle down and say, my favorite member of KISS is a sellout bitch. So I hope that doesn't happen. You know, and I also say... By bringing Ace up on stage during the Unplugged, it's a very smart move by Kiss because it gives the people this delusion that Ace will be a special guest when they're on the road. I predict if, only if, Ace doesn't get up on stage with the makeup Kiss, Ace ain't going to do it. I predict that. But I also predict Bruce Kulick will forever be, will, will, will be there. And I see Mark St. John and Eric Carr be there as well before Vinnie Vincent. Yeah, uh, well, I, I would agree with that as well. But you know what's going to be weird is like, you know, like say they even bring Bruce up. So what's going to be the deal? They're all in full makeup and then Bruce just gets up there with street clothes? That's going to be a little weird. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. And, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I would love to see Bruce part of it. I, I, I predict right now that Bruce will go up during the electric show on the cruise and do like Tears Are Falling. I predict right. that. I predict that. You know, and I, I got nothing against Bruce. Bruce was at least his own man, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be, I, I don't know. Like, how when you're doing a show as, you know, bombastic and visual as fucking Kiss, you know, and everybody's in makeup and costume, and then you're just going to bring a guy up, you know, in, you know, leather pants and a, and a do-rag, and, and he's going to get up and play. It's I, I don't know if that works. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I definitely don't think Vinny's going to be part of anything. No, no, no. The, the, Vinny Vincent really don't, knows how to fuck everything up, don't he? Yeah. It's like he's wearing the makeup now. Then he comes to Miami for the free cruise and wears the makeup again. He, he wore the makeup at some... Yeah, chiller. It, yeah. It's a, like a horror con. Yeah. And, but I got to admit, he, you know, he does look better with the makeup on than off. Uh, right. And, and he's lost a lot of weight. It looks like he lost a lot of weight. I could tell. Yeah, but um, but yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. All those pictures I saw him in a dress. He looked fat as shit. Yeah, you know, he. I mean, <laughs> dude, the, the four by fade. He was wearing these really tight like pants. I think they were leather pants, and yeah, he's still fat, and it looked a little disturbing, you know. But you know, he was wearing like a little fringe jacket, so it covers, you know, his gut and stuff. But he just looked skinnier to me, I, you know. Well, good for him. <laughs> yeah. Or her, whatever the fuck, I don't know. Hey, hey, you're born a guy, you die a guy. I'm sorry. You can try <laughs> as much as you can, but Caitlyn Jenner will always be Bruce Jenner. You can't fuck with genetics. That's, but, uh, that's what I think. But, man, I see a lot of people bitching about these prices. But everybody seems says the same thing. Well, I, I'm taking my kid. I got to take my kid. 
So that, that's uh, it, it looks like it's going to be a fucking One Direction show. <laughs> you know, it's like everybody with their kids. And to me, that just seems so fucking stale and unrocking. Well, now nah, I get one to take your kid to a show, trust me. As a parent, I get that. But it seems like that that's what this is going to be, like a, like a room full of fucking old kiss nerds with their kids and grandkids. I think it's been that way for a while. Was it that way when you saw that show over there? Uh, well, I mean, it's hard to say because I, I, the two times I saw Scab Kiss, well, the first time was a free show. Like, like you know, downtown New Orleans, right by the Mississippi. So you got a mixed crowd. Everybody was down. It was like NCAA basketball, uh, you know, uh, March Madness shit. They played a show down there. So you got a mixture. People are down there for everything, not just Kiss. And the, the other thing, the Gretna Fest that I saw, Matt, is the same thing. It's like a family music fest. Uh, you know, I haven't gone to any of the, those co-headlining tours they did. Uh, but but I, I hear the stories. Everybody's like, yeah, well, I know it sucks now, but I just I got to take my kid. And I always find it funny if you watch the Kiss, uh, the Extreme Close-Up, where, you know, during the Revenge era, all they do is bitch about, oh, it became about the merchandising. And it was kids, and it, you know, got so far removed. But the minute, even when they did the original reunion tour, what what came right back? The first thing, merchandise the shit out of everything. You couldn't walk into a Spencer's without it being eighty percent kiss shit. Uh, you know, that would soon be in the cutout bins. Ever since they they put the makeup back on, it's all about the merchandising and and and, and kids and shit. And now, you know, they do this whole like. Uh, you know, we're Team America shit, you know, like it was, it was like a, a, a fucking Trump rally, that last show I saw, you know, doing the Pledge of Allegiance and shit, it's like, god damn, almost made me miss the fucking, uh, I went to the doctor, you know. But oh, come the, on, that ain't that bad. Oh, uh, I don't know, it, it, it was, it was pretty bad for him to sit there and tell everybody to fucking, put your hand on your heart and repeat after me, people. You know, and do the Pledge of Elite. It's like, this is so fucking corny and fucking unrock and roll. And, you know, I think you're pretty much going to get the same stale set list. And even though they're expanding it, I still don't think it's going to be that great because they're so against playing, you know, what diehards want to hear because they could give a fuck less about you. They already got your money. They're, you know? they're, they're repeating the farewell tour, too, because in that iHeart video, uh, Paul mentioned Lick It Up and Heaven's on Fire. I was like, yeah. this is this is the fucking farewell tour again, you know? Yeah, and it, like, really? Do you want to hear him try to croak out? Well, here's the thing, you know, Paul shit's gonna be fucking tape anyway. And and I hope it is for the people that go to the show because honestly, if he if he lip syncs, it will be more enjoyable. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, do you honestly want to hear him do the beginning of Heavens on Fire now? Oof. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't yeah, do know. it, Paul. <laughs> you know. Oh, my God. And, and speaking of which, I just got to bring this up and also a little plug for me. Uh, exactly a week ago from today, which we're recording this on Friday, I put up uh, the second documentary, um, Larger Than Life Part 2. And while making it, I, I got a little chuckle from Paul after the makeup was off. And Paul kept saying, you know, if uh, you, we can't play without the makeup, uh, we might as well just give up. And like, what, what's it been, like 17, 18 years? Uh, they can't play without the makeup, you know? Everything he says is later contradicted, you know? And, right. and and all those press conferences, it's like a flashback. It's like, we're gonna go out on top. 
You know, it's like you said the same fucking thing before where you actually could sing. Now you're way worse than then. And believe me, the farewell tour for me was no picnic. And, you know, it was heartbreaking to see my favorite lineup suck so hard. You know, the reunion was great, but the farewell tour was terrible. Yeah. Terrible, you know, but whatever. Yeah, especially compared to the reunion, you know. it was bad. And, and, And sometimes I even wonder... You know, the reunion tour, you know, did I see it with rose-colored glasses? Was I, you know... Or... I, I probably did. I mean, like I said, I said this a million times. I saw three shows at Madison Square Garden, one show in Miami. They were all amazing, but the Madison Square Garden show, there was something in the air. I mean, it was... New York City was kissed. You walk down the village, people wearing kiss uh, makeup. It was just a great vibe. It was like, you know, the only, the only show, I mean, that I can think of that the vibe was as close as a, a 80s Van Halen show. It was really an event, and it was like, you know, all the planets aligned. It was the perfect time for them to do it. And me being this ultra big, oh my God, 70s kids nerd, it might have been rose-colored glasses, but it was fucking amazing. You know, just that oh, yeah. I finally got to see it, you know? Oh, yeah, I mean, it was something, you know, when I went, you know, it was me and all my friends who were super kids fans, you know, in a limo and, you know, seeing something we never thought we'd see, uh, you know, and it was, it was magical, that 96 show, uh, you know, the, the reunion, the, the farewell was okay, but, you know, it was like seeing them with that lineup trying to do Lick It Up and Heaven's on Fire, it just, it wasn't worry. you know, it was kind of like, you know what, yeah, it's good, end it now, end it now, I'm glad I saw it one last time. But, I, uh, look, look, I love what a lot of people complain about Ace. I love his sloppiness. I love, you know, the th- you know the thing that a lot of people always talk about, you know, the, the, the scab defenders. Oh, but they, they played way better. They're a much better drummer, much better guitar player than Ace and, and Peter, and they're so much tighter and this and that. Dude, when I look back at those 70s videos of Kiss, there was a little sloppiness. It was dangerous, you know what I mean? It's like, fuck perfection. It was organic and... You didn't know if it was going to go completely to shit, but it was, and, and it didn't. It was always like a little sloppiness here and there, but they always made it, you know, at the finish line, which I, I love that about early kids, you know, even on record too. On record, you know, it's like, you're not hearing fucking Virtuoso. It's just four guys that, you know, are playing, you know, heavy metal beat, uh, fucking Beatles song. Yeah. But, you know, but I love that shit. And I still love it. I'll defend it to the grave, dude. I just won't do it around you. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, I, I still love that shit, you know. But yeah, it's not virtual or some music. I mean, anytime I took guitar lessons, anytime I went to a guitar teacher, you know, I'd say, "Show me kids." I'd get that look on my face, like, "Really?" Okay, well, shit, that, you're a beginner. You want to learn kids, <laughs> right? But they're like, "That's what you want to learn," or, you know? And, and like all, you know, like guitar players would like laugh at it, like, "Okay, that's easy. I can show you that." Um, but I, yeah, exactly like what you said the, the loose feel to it you know it, the precision shit whatever it, it, you it's, know, you, it's you, you want kiss. yeah you want perfection we're talking about kiss here yeah so, you know it's like keep it simple stupid and, yeah you know and, and you know it just gets me how you know these people like and I also love the people you know that always have to bring up you know Tommy Thayer this Tommy Thayer that and it's like Look, look, um, if you were in his shoes, you'd do the same thing. You'd sell out. And, you know, I'm like, dude, here's my, here's my, I'll give you three examples why 
not everybody would do it. Number one, there's this guy called Bill Ward that told Black uh, Sabbath to kiss his ass. There's a guy called Izzy Stradlin that told yeah. Guns N' Roses to kiss his ass with that quadrillion billion tour. And last but not least, and the most important of all three, Dimebag Daryl had a fucking Ace Frehley tattoo on his chest. There's no way Dimebag would dress as Ace Frehley, and here's why. And here's a great example. Because when Pantera was not popular, he was offered a gig with a with an established band called Megadeth. Yep. And Dime said, all right, I'll do it, but I got to bring my brother. Dave goes, nope. And he goes, then I can't do it. See, he wasn't a sellout. And neither were these other two. And to believe me, there's mountains. I know it's outnumbered how many people would sell out to do it. If Tommy Thayer wasn't up on that stage, you know, it, it'd be somebody else. So I kind of cut, cut Tommy a little slack. And, you know, even though I made that hilarious Tommy Slayer's, uh, Slayer, <laughs> Tommy Thayer uh, solo album. Um, if it wasn't him, it would be somebody else. I don't blame Tommy Thayer for being fake fairly. It's all Gene and Paul. You know, they're the ones to blame. If you're going to bash Tommy Thayer, you're going after the wrong guy. I think it's fun to goof on him, but come on, let's get real. You know, the, the, the problem, the reason that Tommy Thayer and, and Cheater Chris is up on there is because of Gene and Paul. More Paul, I bet, you know. Yeah. And, and, and let's be, they just, you know. They're they're not that good that they could ever land their own band. I mean, look, I mean, black and blue, flash in the pan. Eric Singer's always been a have sticks will travel guy. Great drummer, but you know he's he's never had his own success. You know what else is he gonna do? Yeah. You know? No, of course. I mean, yeah, you know, and I, I'm telling you, I mean, yes, they're sellout bitches, but like people say, look, you wouldn't do it. Look, you're talking to the wrong guy. You're talking to the minority, dude. I mean, when Rob Dukes quit Exodus. My buddy that knows Gary Hall, dude, I'm gonna say, I'm like, no, don't, don't, I can't do that. You know, I got a city job, you know, I'm not gonna join. I love Exodus, but I mean, I'm not saying they would have picked me, but I just didn't even want an addition, you know? Uh, and, and, you know, and also, like, you know, the story of that, you know, popular heavy metal record label that wanted to sign us. I right. denied that as well, you know? If you're, if I'm a real sellout, I would have fucking, I, I wouldn't be so independent with my, with my band and shit, you know? That's, you would have took it just to say you were on a big label. And th that label would have put me in record stores all over the world and would have given us way more exposure than I could ever dream. But I said no, because, you know, they wanted to own the right to the song. They wanted us to give them money, too, which was weird. But not that weird in the, in the age of downloading. But the whole, the whole if I would have agreed to do it, my band would be way better known now. And that'd be me selling out just for fame and fortune, which these guys do. And I'm not, and I'm, I know, I know the majority would do it, but not every, every, all these scab defenders really do think everybody has a price. It's not true. It's just not true. It's a minority, but it's not true. All right. But, uh, it, to the people who are going, man, hey, have uh, fun. yeah, ha have fun, man. I, I'll tell you what, I, I've seen, there's no band I've seen more than Kiss. No band. Uh, you know, but I, I'd rather hold on to my old memories and, hey, if it's a good show, whatever, I'll, I'll watch this. I'm sure they're going to put out fucking 50 DVDs and live albums from this and maybe I'll check that out. But I just don't care enough to go. And, uh, no, and, and, and I will say this, oh. you know, and it's not very popular for somebody that feels this way about the scabs. I, I really do hope it is a success. I, I don't want them to fail. I'm just being realistic here, you know. I don't think it's going to do well. It's going to do well in some markets, but you're going to see as time goes by, 
You know, uh, it's not going to be a three-year tour in America. They're not going to be coming back to America a lot. Maybe they'll play, like, you know, major markets, but yeah. I, I really don't see it doing well with those prices. Even if they slash the prices down, I don't see sellouts, uh, uh, you know, after the show, the show's on the road for a few few months, you know. I have a feeling you're going to end up going. Uh, for free? I don't know, dude. You know what? Uh, no, I, I, I think if, if it comes to South Florida... You know, I, I won't I, pay, I, dude. I will not pay. I refuse yeah, unless they okay. get unless they get a good opening act. But yeah, maybe for free. I'm not even saying I would. I almost went on the Kiss Cruise. Uh, came very close to going because I got a really good deal, and I ended up saying, you know what, no. You know, because I was thinking I'll do it for Ace, dude. I'm seeing Ace next week. You know, he's uh, headlining his Rock Fest here in Broward County, so I'm gonna go see him. That's what made me stop and go, no. You know, cause the only reason I would have went was for Ace. You know, and Ace did play Save Your Love for the very first time. Uh, his band is great. That Gene Simmons band, they sounded great. I didn't watch the whole show, but what I did see, it sounded really, really oh, good. Oh, I, I, I'm sure they are. I mean, what I've seen, would, I mean, I still think it's kind of a, a scumbag move, but, uh, you know, from everything I saw with the Gene Simmons band, they're a great band and everybody can sing. see. What they're going to do is they're going to make Ace look better. Yeah, uh, of course. You know, and, and that's the thing. And, you know, you know I... I've been vocal, you know, to anybody who follows online. I think that new Ace album is one of the worst pieces of shit I've ever heard. And I think it's embarrassingly bad. I know you like it. I think it's absolutely horrible. But I think this band is going to make Ace look better. Yeah. Than than the other band. That was probably more loose and more rock and roll. But you're going to have guys who can sing better, do better background vocals. So... From that standpoint, I see it. You know, I still think it was a shit move to do, especially to Richie Scarlett, who's been there by his side forever. Uh, and I, and I, I kind of, I kind of blame Gene Simmons for that. Though. Oh, oh, I, I do too, because I think that that's Gene getting in his head. And also, you know, Ace already made the comment he's paying the Gene Simmons band less than what he was paying his other band. Yeah. So it, it's a way for Ace to make more money because Ace knows he's not seeing this like farewell tour money. You know, and, and you know, it, it's a chance for him. He's looking at retirement. He's looking at this shit, you know. This is a chance to save money, and that's all it is. And, you know, as, as much I love Ace. I love Ace to death, but, man, I've read a lot of shit that, you know, Ace, Ace will be your, your buddy as long as he needs you. But once he don't need you, he'll turn his back in a heartbeat. Well, you know? I mean, in his defense, he did, play, he did pay for half the funeral. Uh, yeah. Richie Scarlett's wife that died. Yeah, you know, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, come on. But, you know, it's still, I mean, I think I, th- I think that's commendable, at least, you know what I mean? When uh, he talked to me. Yeah, he was probably know, like, make sure she's cremated, though, you know. But, <laughs> you know, he also went to the funeral, and uh, as I understand, Ace dated her before Richie. Right. And, uh, but, you know, I mean, look, it's business, man. I'm not... You know, it's just, it's it's a business move. It's, uh, you save money and you like these guys more alive performance-wise. And uh, I am done being the defender of Ace like the scabs are, so I feel dirty now. All right, well, fuck it. Let's move on from Kiss. But I got Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right, well, in a segue that you could only get here at the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, we go from Kiss fans crying rape to kiddie porn. That's right. Man of War guitar player Carl Logan uh, was arrested for possession of kiddie porn. 
Yeah, I'm not too happy about it. You know, I mean, I, I'm a bigger fan of, you know, Rasta Boss era. Man as, as is everybody. I mean, I love a lot of songs, like select songs off the albums he played on. I mean, I stopped at Warriors of the World. I heard a little bit of that Odin shit, and I was like, oh, fuck that. You know, it's pretty bad what they did, you know, the last couple albums. But, man, I always thought that guy was so awesome, though. He's such a great guitar player. And when everybody, you know, because... When Man of War played down here, I everybody, I wasn't there, but everybody in the band were dicks except for him. You know, I heard everybody, oh, Carl was the only cool guy. So it is heartbreaking to hear this shit. And yeah, I don't know if you saw the latest news on it. Oh my God. Did you uh, see it? I don't know uh, what you're referring to as the latest. Go ahead and I'll tell you if I've, I've heard that. Well, they, they, they depicted exactly what's in the child porn he owned. That part I didn't see, no. And, I, and look, I'll tell you off the air, it's so vile that it's even too vile for our show. Uh, well, it's so bad. Well, one thing I will say is uh, he got one of the worst uh, charges you could get for it because what they're stating is that he willingly knew what he was going after. Uh, now, well, well, Ian, um, as I understand it, I could be wrong from the last thing, but... This ain't one of those incidents where they, they found him downloading child porn. Uh, I understand he owned DVDs of this shit. Oh, maybe. Maybe you're right. Maybe he got it off the internet and put it on DVD. I, I mean, that, that somebody just needs to be killed. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, I, better than... I, I, I don't think they should be killed. I think it should be cut off so they can live without a penis. That's more than... That's better than getting killed. Oh. But, but leave the butthole because they should be able to be raped. Yeah, well, they, you know, well, believe me, uh, as we live in this world of, uh, you know, wait, let, let the courts decide, you know, <laughs> because, you know, I lived in this world that I thought Dave Holland molested a little kid this whole time uh, before he died. I never knew that, you know, he came out saying he was innocent and this and that. I never knew things like that. So I automatically judged him as being a kitty dealer. I still I'm still not convinced he wasn't, but it does bring that shadow of a doubt. So I'm hoping somehow it'll be a miracle that uh, he was framed, but you know I doubt it will happen. But I'm I'm just gonna wait. I don't like, um, you know, because for a long time I thought Michael Jackson was a kitty diddler. I honestly believe now with the evidence I've heard, that guy was framed. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm on the fence with him. I I think he did questionable things that would make it look bad. But I mean. But he was a strange weirdo, though. Yeah, exactly. Now, this is a guy that, I mean, they just got him, like, either way, whether he, you know, he's not being accused of, of fucking a kid, but just the fact that it he's... Don't matter. That yeah, he's jerking off to it, dude. Yeah, that, it that he's, well, well, which means, you know, he would eventually do it if he had the opportunity. I'm sorry. If you if you get off the child porn, you'll fucking diddle a kid. I really do believe that. I, 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 do, I, do, I do, too. And if I, you know I, you can get away with it, you will do it. But you know, again, and this reinforces, uh, you know, you know why power metal rubs, rubs me the wrong way. I, I think that's who, who is attracted to power metal is fucking little kiddy diddlers, because that shit's just weird. That shit's just weird. Hey, <laughs> I like some power metal. I like Man of War, man. What's the fuck wrong with you? Uh, I don't know. It's a little, yeah, you're a little weird too, but you're not into kids, so that's cool. You're into legal stuff, but yeah. you're. But you still got some weird fantasies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I can't complain with you. I can't debate that one. <laughs> I mean, 
Oh, well, 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 technically, fantasies are something that you don't fulfill. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, oh, done, yeah. I'm done with my fantasies. All right, well, enough about this kitty fucker. I, I hope he gets the living shit beat out of him and fucked out of him. And, uh, you know, he deserves, he deserves fucking death. But even more so than that, he deserves a long, painful rest of his existence. You know uh, who I hope really fucks him up? A uh, brother. Tito. Because he's king of the streets. King of the streets. Oh, <laughs> uh, that hua. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, well, here's some good news for a fucking change. Finally, years after the fact, uh, King Diamond is supposedly getting ready to put out Songs for the Dead Live. I saw uh, the trailer, dude. It was awesome. I haven't got to watch it yet. Was, yeah. it, was, it, was it good? Fuck yeah, man. It looks really uh, good. I, I'll tell you what. It was my first time ever seeing King Diamond on, on this tour, on that, well, on that tour, uh, and blew my mind, and, you know, because I've, I've always said about how I, you know, I couldn't stand it at first, took me years to get into him, uh, and, and then when I did, I was like, oh, man, I love this shit, but after seeing him live, and the show that he put on, I just, I really wanted to kick myself in the ass for years of not going and seeing him when I could have, because uh, that show just... I mean, it was incredible. He played this little club that I go to all the time, but the way he did the stage set and everything, so he fit all like he, he he fit all that in that little club. Oh, oh yeah, I, I couldn't believe. It. I mean, it's it's not. I, I shouldn't say little. It's not like that one bar I took you to in the, in the French Quarter. It like was, like uh, the size of the Noel Gallagher place. It was smaller than that. Wow. But but uh, I never realized the stage was as deep because most bands don't that I see play this venue, you know, the stage doesn't go that deep. But the way he did it uh, was just mind-blowing. But then again, you know, I watched documentaries on the Peace of Mind tour, I mean, uh, the Power Slave tour, and they said how, really, they could take small venues and make it look, you know, they made the stage set look bigger than what you actually, it's smaller than what you think it is. The, the, you know, the way it's perceived, you know, it's, but whatever, the way he did it, man, I, I was like, I couldn't believe I was in this little club, but seeing all that I saw. And it wasn't just the visual. I mean, uh, you know, musically, it sounded amazing. His vocals were amazing. I mean, it was really like just a jaw-dropping show. And I went with a guy who, I mean, has been into King Diamond since, you know, forever. And he was singing every song. I mean, he was just losing his shit. And I knew a lot of it, but he knew even more. Uh, but what a great show. So I am... Very looking forward to that DVD, and supposedly King's working on a new uh, solo album, you know, with the King Diamond Band. I would really love to see a Merciful Fate tour, though, you know, before he, he packs it up. <coughs> man, that, it, uh, me too, but man, I, I gotta see Kim Ruz, man. I gotta see the original five, man. You know, I, I saw, I saw the closest I got was in the shadow, but shit, not even Timmy Grabber was it. Timmy Hansen wasn't even there. Yeah. And he well, played on the album. You know, but. You, know, you know, I would like, you know, ideally, you know, like I've already figured, you know, Kim Ruz, that'll never happen. Uh, but I would, at the very minimum, I would love to see Detter and Sherman, you know, with yeah. Kim. You know, yeah. uh, Timmy would be great, but man, you know, Detter and Sherman, you know, one last tour with them. Oh, that would be fucking Yeah, and, and also, you know, the really selling point is the set list, all fate. And yeah. I saw I saw the very last Fate Tour Nine, where it was only I Sherman. I love that album. It was only Sherman and Diamond at that point, and that right. show was 
fucking phenomenal. They played um, uh, Desecration of Souls, which wasn't played on, you know, in the Shadows. Fucking Legend of the Headless Rider wasn't played on the In the Shadows uh, uh, tour, and it was on that fucking album. They did it on the Nine tour. Uh, yeah, no, it's phenomenal. But, you know, King Diamond solo is fucking awesome. You can't uh, discount that shit. Right. And, and I, you know, I wonder from, like, a promoter standpoint, what do you think would do better, a King Diamond tour or a fake tour? King Diamond, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that's what I thought, uh, too. King Diamond sells more records, too. Yeah. Uh, it's more popular, which is unfortunate. But, you know, you know, I don't know. I'm talking about years and years and years ago. You know, I mean, Merciful Fate does have quite a resurgence now. Yeah. You know, sure. so let's let's hope, you know, let's hope let's just hope uh it does happen. I mean King hinted that he'd like to do it one last time. Right. You know, so who knows? Well And Melissa just uh celebrated his thirty fifth anniversary. Nice. Well going from a, a happy story to a to a shitty story, uh Saint Vitus bassist Mark Adams is suffering from Parkinson's disease. I saw that, yeah. And uh, this is one I know you've contributed in the past to, uh, you know, musicians you love, like uh, uh, the guy from uh, Violence. Yeah, Sean uh, Killian. Yeah, Sean Killian. And also uh, Bruce Cobra from uh, Rigor Mortis is uh, uh, really suffering now. And uh, you know, if anybody out there would like to help, he's got a he's got one of those donation things too. Right. To contribute to. Well, I, I, I tell you what, this is one I'm going to have to get behind. Uh, next paycheck, I'm definitely going to send some money to his GoFundMe campaign because, you know, I, I've talked about on the show before, you know, how Dave Chandler from St. Vitus and I, you know, we're drinking buddies and stuff like that. I've met Mark, and Mark, he, he's one of the, the nicest, most soft-spoken guys. I mean, just a really really cool dude and appreciates you know all the fans that still get into St. Vitus and uh, you know you know, I, I met all the you know the, the guys from the classic lineup I met Armando before he passed away and he was a cool dude uh, but Mark man Mark was really like the like, like the nice guy of the band and uh, it's a damn shame it's a damn shame that uh, that he can't play with them right now, you know, because of his disease. They have Pat Bruders, uh, who I've seen Pat with with Crowbar, and of course he's a bass player for Down now. He's filling in on bass, and uh, it's just it, it's it's a sad story. I mean, I mean, St. Vitus is never a band that you know got rich as it was, and you know they all have regular jobs that they leave to go do St. Vitus tours. I mean, I know you know Dave works here. In, in, in the French Quarter and when he's not on tour so none of these guys have like really good health insurance and stuff and something like Parkinson's uh, it's not cheap to get Parkinson's disease uh, so there there is a GoFundMe page for that uh, you can go on uh, if you go on Blabbermouth and, and search it you can donate some money I know, I know anything he would greatly appreciate and uh, sad to see another you know, another metalhead man uh, suffering from this. You know, that's a fucking shitty disease. So, yeah. if, if if you if you have something to spare, uh, you know, listen listen to me firsthand. This guy is you know salt of the earth, a real nice dude, and uh, sorry to see him suffer. Yeah, uh, and speaking of Parkinson's too, uh, uh, Glenn Tipton is no longer going to be guesting at any more. Uh, oh no! Shows. Yeah, because. It has advanced to the point where he can't even play a song anymore. 
No, I didn't see. Where did you see that? That was on uh, Blabbermouth. Oh, I, I, I didn't see that, man. Yeah. Oh, that's a fucking shame. Yeah. Life. Man. Oh, man, that's a really... Boy, that, that took the wind out of my sails. Fucking A. Mm -hmm. And and just just think about fucking all, all the fucking joy that that motherfucker has brought to all our lives through through all the fucking classic songs he wrote and everything. Oh. Front Thanks. row at the Turbo Tour, he leaned down right at me and he screamed in my face, Help it, help it for leather! Because I was going crazy. Yeah. That's like the uh -huh. vision I'll always remember of Glenn Tipton Live is when he bat because I was all the way up front and he just came like almost like right to my face, you know. Help it, help it, Melinda. Oh, it's one a memory I'll never forget. Nice. Where'd you see that one at? Was that the Sportatorium? Holly Hollywood Sportatorium front row, yeah. Classic. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm taking a swig for Glenn Tipton then. Oh yeah. Oh shit. And uh, there you go, man. The return of the news and, and current news. And only a small portion was KISS. Because I'll tell you what, man. KISS fans came out of the woodwork for last week's uh, Hot in the Shade episode. Oh, God it did really damn. good, huh? Oh, it did great. Everybody loved TikTok. TikTok did amazing. He, he T was... TikTok was the man on that Oh, uh, so good. I haven't even heard it yet, but I just know how much fun I had recording it. Uh, so, I gotta say, it is the best kiss episode we've done yet. It, it was uh, a, it was a lot of fun. I talked to TikTok. I know you had to go right after we got done recording. Yeah. And, and I stuck around with TikTok, just telling him how great he was. He's like, "Oh, you're just saying that." I was like, "No, dude, trust me. Yeah. We record then, we record a lot of these, and this one was special." And then then he saw the feedback. Yeah. I mean, everybody on the Facebook page was like, "Dude, that was the best kiss episode ever." Anyway, let's talk about a real fucking metal band, shall we? Hell yeah! Thank you, Gina Elizabeth. Uh, oh, from, yeah. From the torture of last week of studying that 15-song masterpiece of shit, Hot in the Shade, now we're going to fucking talk about a real man's album. Yeah, this is one for men and women, too. Yeah, cool fuck women. yeah. <laughs> the Metal Gods with their masterpiece and probably biggest selling album right yes yes it is uh screaming for vengeance released in 1982 and i gotta i gotta tell you in the funny story when i first heard this uh a, a buddy of mine got this but he didn't tell me it was judas priest this fuck this fuck stain sense to me he goes bro guess what i got i go what he goes dude i got quiet riot now at that time quiet riot was this big myth because of randy rhodes we all knew about Randy Rhodes and Quiet Riot, and we all wanted to hear Randy Rhodes and Quiet Riot. Oh, he did. So, so he put on, you know, uh, the Hellion Electric Eye. I'm like, holy fuck! The Quiet Riot rules! And he's like, no, actually, it's the new Judas Priest. And I was like, ah, you fuck. But goddamn, this rules! <laughs> That's uh, I, I always think of that when I hear that song, the first time I heard it. I was told it was Riot, uh, Quiet Riot with Randy Rhodes. But you were already a Judas Priest fan by this time. Oh, yeah, big time. I was huge into Judas Priest. I now, always... when he played this, had had you already heard You Got Another Thing Coming? Was that released no. in advance of the album? Okay. No, no. I got this album fairly new, and he got it before me. I knew it was out, 
Right. Uh, I, well, I knew it was coming out because I remember reading the magazines. I don't think when he played it for me, I thought it was out yet. Okay. Uh, he, he owned it on, it was on a cassette. And, uh, and then I ran out and bought it. It was like, I remember vividly that, uh, that you know, because I always cut lawns on the weekends. Right. That that following weekend, you know, after I cut some lawns, I ran out and bought it. And uh, I'll talk about what, I'll talk about the songs when I first heard it. And also want to know, this is the first time I saw Jesus Priest on this tour at the Sunrise Musical Theater. And I was all the way up front and it was, Amazing. And speaking of Van Halen, Van Halen played two nights on the Diver Down Tour at the Hollywood Sportatorium. A Friday and Saturday night, Judas Priest played on that Friday. So I went to Priest, and the next night I saw the Diver Down Tour. Wow. Yes, sir. Wow. Can you imagine that? And that was the first time I saw, uh, you know, two shows back-to-back like that. I've done it many times afterwards, but that was the first time I went to two big shows uh, in the realm of two days. And thank God Van Halen played two shows. No, Van Halen played two shows as Florida Tour on 84 Tour. And Eat em and Smile was two nights as well. And I was at all of them. Nice. But the second, the, uh, I got to tell the story. I know we're getting off base. But the second, the second Eat em and Smile show, I got so drunk, I ended up in the, in the drunk tank in uh, Sport <laughs> And And I'm hearing like Unchained and shit. I remember, I forgot what song it was, dude. Uh, they were playing a song I hear, and I'm like, wait a second, they didn't play this last night. So I tried getting out, and dude, my legs were rubber. And I'm there fucking, I'll never forget it, man. I'm on the floor, dragging <laughs> myself, and I grab onto the knob of the door, pick myself up, and this big fucking broody guy grabbed me going, get that back on that bed. And, uh, and the next thing I remember, I woke up in my bed. And I'm like, what the hell happened? I called my friend, and my friend <laughs> said, dude, after the show, you were passed out on the hood of the car, and it was pouring rain. <laughs> I didn't even remember. And he goes, and on our way back, we got a flat tire. I got out, fixed the flat tire. You were out the whole time. And I go, yeah. And he goes, how did I get in my house? I, he goes, dude, I pulled up to your house. He goes, hey, we're home. And you just, all right. And I got up and walked in my house. I don't remember none of it. But back uh, to Priest. Uh, uh, I, that's basically how I discovered it. So, uh and, you know, I ran out, bought it, and I'll talk about the rest. But go ahead. Tell us how you found out. Uh, well, this this would be the first time I ever heard Judas Priest. Uh, my dad loved You Got Another Thing Coming. And at the time, uh, when MTV came out, my, my dad was living in southern Illinois. Uh, at, well, I guess central Illinois. But, you know, Chicago's northern Illinois. So uh, they got MTV. You know, it was like a test area. They got it before I got it in the suburbs. We didn't get it until 84. He got it right when it came out. And I remember going to see him. And, uh, you know, of course we were watching MTV like crazy because we're both music fanatics. And the, and the video for this coming on, he, he, he went to the TV and turned it up. He goes, oh, I like this. And I'd never heard it before. And I, I just loved it. And I wasn't listening to, you know, metal at this time. But it, it was a song that transcended Uh you know, I just it was catchy as fuck. Uh, I wouldn't get into Priest till four years later with Turbo, uh, but it was one of those things. Like uh, I remember, like when Turbo came out, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is that band that, that sings that song my dad likes." You know, because I didn't hear this on the radio or anything. I just remember hearing it when I went to my dad's house. So, uh, you know, yeah, my first exposure. 
but man, you know, after I got Turbo, you know, and then I went back into Priest and, and discovered this. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I didn't get into this till probably, I'd say, 86, 87 is when I heard it, you know, in its entirety. You know, and not just got another thing coming. But there's other songs that I did know off the off the Priest Live album that were off of this. But uh, uh, landmark album. Uh, spoiler alert! I I think it's it's <coughs> it's tied for their best studio album ever, and definitely in my opinion their their greatest '80s metal album. You know, their studio album I mean, by far. Right on. You want to take track one? Yes. And, uh, by, and by the way, I don't. I don't want you to take track one. I want you to take track one and two together. Thank you. All right, we'll do it that way. I. I there's a fucking. This one song. Fuck this. Fucking separating the greatness with the other greatness. This is one song. This song is called Hellion Electric Eye. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I will say this though. There's a lot of songs out there, especially in metal, that have. That are kind of broken up like this, you know. They, you know, where it should be called one song. You're right. The whole thing should be called Electric Eye. Yeah. But uh, well, I like Hellion. The Hellion Electric Eye. I like. It's got a good ring to it. All, right, all three but, words together. But, but you know, like you're Four saying, words. like you're having me reviewing it. It's it's one fucking song. It just yeah. has a badass intro. Yeah. But uh, as far as intros go. This is the greatest fucking intro ever. Any other fucking intro into a song that has its own title is shit compared to this. It is just, it's perfect, iconic, uh, you know, the best way to start out a fucking album ever. I mean, ever. I don't care what band you are. Fucking amazing. Uh, so that it kicks into Hellion. It's a perfect fucking song. You know, uh, Electric Eye, I'm sorry. Electric Eye is a perfect... Turn off your fucking phone! Sorry. <laughs> it is, is a perfect fucking song. And, and you know, just what a great heavy way for them to rebound off of Point of Entry. Now, I love Point of Entry. But, you know, they took a lot of shit for, for going lighter and trying to appeal to the masses with that one. I think it worked. But this is them... To me, this album has the best of 70s Judas Priest with the best of 80s Judas Priest mixed together. And this song is a perfect example. It was the third single off the album. It didn't do shit as a single, but it definitely is a fan favorite. It's a live staple ever since this tour. Uh, you know, you're always going to see them play, you know, Hellion Electric Eye at every fucking show. And for damn good reason. Not only, you know, a, a great way to start off the album, but something that needs to be heard at every pre-show from then till the end of time. Absolutely mind-blowing. What do you think? Well, I, I do disagree. I, I agree with everything you said except for one thing. Okay. It is not the greatest intro to any album. The greatest intro ever, and and I know you won't disagree. I, I think I'm going to wake you up and go, okay, I made a mistake. Okay. Uh, fanfare, just a boy. Oh my god! Hello? Is this no. on? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, you took the words out of my mouth. Dude, there's no better intro in the history of fucking music than this fucking, uh, than the bombastic opening of fucking Alien Electric Eye. It should, I mean, it should always be an opener. Like, hello there from Cheap Trip. 
It should priest should just always open with this song, and it's a perfect song to open to because oh, yeah. Rob doesn't use no high notes. He can you know warm up the voice to it. Yeah. You know, uh, but you know, I mean, a lot. But I think Electric Eye, it's just perfect, dude. It's just I got this. You know, it's pure metallic. I mean, what were you saying before? You know, the world wasn't as elitist back then as it is now because I don't remember anybody complaining about point of entry, to tell you the truth. I don't recall, especially in South Florida, maybe elsewhere. But in retrospect, you know, like when years go by and you go back on the discography, you're like, man, this is some lightweight shit between British Steel and Screamer for Vengeance, you know? But. But it was, dude, it was the album at the time. Uh, what, what, what month was it released? It was released in uh, July 17th, 1982. Yeah, and it was an album played by everybody. Uh, everybody down here. At the time, Priest were still bigger than Maiden. Uh, Priest were um, just the band for us metalheads. They were, you know, the staple. You know, they were like, you know, the pinnacle. When you thought of heavy metal... You know, Priest was always on top. You know, that's the pure metal band. And this, even though this album has a little couple twists and turns, which I love about Judas Priest, um, just the opening, and I mean the first three songs, it's just an, a metallic assault. And the way Rob sings it, and you know, my tearless retina takes pictures that can prove. That's so cool, dude. It's just, it's just so cool how. Rob Halford is a very underrated lyricist because he even invents words. You know, I can't remember offhand, but there are songs that you hear in songs. Like, I know there's a couple off British Steel uh, that there's words that don't exist, but he invents them, <laughs> which is so cool. You know, but um, God damn, man. What a great, amazing opener. Amazing. Uh, you know, when I saw Judas Priest, you know, uh, it was one of those things where, like what we've said before, about Judas Priest shows. Rob Hoffer doesn't come out till the part where he goes, I'm made of metal. You know, that up here in space. Right. You didn't hear none of that shit. And, and if you look at the live Vengeance video, uh, during that part, Rob Hoffer's up on scaffolding. Yeah. I, I think that was filmed uh, not during the show. Uh, because if you look at the live footage, he walks up on the drum riser, you know, during I'm made of metal part. Right. But he's up on scaffolding. I think that was a little enhanced because uh he was backstage singing this shit but fuck yeah dude what a great song and when i saw him live it went right into the second song riding on the wind <laughs> now i'm just laughing thinking about it because if i remember correctly uh that that the live one from this tour was recorded in nashville tennessee memphis yes oh in memphis <laughs> i'm just mad at Hey, where the fuck's he at? Where's the singer at? Holy shit, are you up in the rafters? Are they playing some tapes? <laughs> what is this, a fucking kiss show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, dude, fucking, oh my god. Oh my god. Riding on the wind. Uh, Dave Holland gets a lot of bullshit, you know, for being a shitty drummer. I think he delivers on this one. Great slamming intro. Dun, 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 dun. You know, and that and here we go. It's a, you know, fucking full blast speed fucking uh, Judas Priest with Rob Hofford, you know, holding that fucking note, man. And, you know, oh, my God, this fucking song fucking rules. I love 
What a great one-two punch. What do you think of riding on the wind? Oh, I fucking love it. And, and probably the only time I've ever had to had to stick up for poison. <laughs> it's because I, I saw somebody cracking on poison. And they were making fun of their song, Ride the Wind. And they're like, how the fuck do you ride the wind? What's more stupider? And I think it was Nikki Six talking about it when he was slamming poison. He's like, oh, do- you, mean, you mean the guy that wrote First Band on the Moon? Yeah. <laughs> and he was slamming poison. Like, how do you ride the wind? I was like, fuck, Judas Priest is riding yeah. on the wind, and it's cool as shit. <laughs> you know? oh, I'm like, yeah. that's fucking awesome. To me, this is a terrific album track. Uh, this is the, the glue that holds this shit together. Uh, I, it's not a single song, but it's an album track, and and something that's lost on people these days. You know, not every song is is a single, nor should it be. Not every song has to be that that catchy. You know, first, you know, like oh yeah, that's the one we're going to send out to try to get people who normally wouldn't like this. You need a, you need album tracks that represent the band as a whole. Uh, and this one does it perfect. Yeah, drum. Uh, Dave Holland does drum his ass off on this one. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's hard to say like where this would re- would be placed. Like if I had to rate uh, the songs on this album, because spoiler alert, I love every fucking track, and and I think it's perfectly perfectly sequenced. Uh, this album has an amazing flow to it. An amazing flow, even though I mean it has ups and downs and different changes. Like with what you said, you know, to me has always been the secret weapon of Judas Priest because they've always been uh, experimenting and always done different shit. That's why they can do something like Nostradamus. And even though I hate that album, uh, I don't hold it against them because to me that's them being true to Judas Priest. They've always changed styles. They've always done different shit within the realms of Judas Priest. And sometimes I love it. Sometimes I'm like, eh, you know, but it's them being true to themselves. And just a killer, killer fucking track. And I'll take the next one, Bloodstone. Holy fucking shit. Now, this one to me is equal parts British Steel and Point of Entry. Uh, which kind of sums up this whole album to me. Uh, you, you know, they, they got the heaviness and they got the catchiness, but it all works on this. Every, tr- in my opinion, every track works on this. Bloodstone is a fucking masterpiece to me. And I know a lot of hardcore fans that, that love this, but I, I think more people should know it outside of it. Uh, you know, outside of, you know, just people who have this album. This should be on every Judas Priest Greatest Hits album. Uh, to me, it should be played at every pre-show. I fucking love Bloodstone and the way he screams that, you know? And I don't know, there's just something so metal about a Bloodstone. Like, holy fuck, I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's awesome. Uh, and I remember there was like a, a cheesy horror movie that the subtitle was Bloodstone. There was some species, something Bloodstone. I'm like, yes, yes, I'm Bloodstone. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it is, but it rocks. God damn it, I love this song. What do you think? How much longer will it take for the world to see? 
This is classic priest to the bone, dude. Classic 80s priest. You know, this is, this is a song to point to. You know, it's like, hey, you want to hear some fucking priest? Uh, I don't know, Jesus Priest. Put, put this fucker on. It's got that mid-tempo. It's got the hooks. It's got the metal. It's got the great performance from everybody in the band. Great solos. Fuck yeah. Bloodstone fucking owns. I did a, 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 a YouTube live thing yesterday with the, with the Kiss Nerds. <clears throat> and one Kiss Nerd said to me, Hey, if you can get Paul Stanley and Ronnie James Dio to do a duet, what song would it be? I said, right off the bat, I thought, Bloodstone. Because <laughs> I thought it would be cool for, you know, Ronnie to sing the song and Paul to do the, you know, how much longer will it take. I think they would have they done a great duet on this song. Fucking great. Fucking classic. And uh, it's a shame. It never, as far as I know, never revisited the set list after this tour. I could be wrong, though. But, man, this song is very, very underrated. You know, it's one of the best tracks on the album. You know, I think. You know, it's uh, it's amazing. What's next, Ian? Oh, uh, the next one is incredible. Take These Chains. Take These Chains is, uh, this is really point of entry shit right here. Uh, I understand it's not written by Priest. Um, and whoever wrote no. the song, whoever wrote the song wrote something off of Defenders as well. Yes. Um, this song's great, dude. It's very commercial, and this is a, a great example of them taking a little turn to a more commercial feel. But I love Rob singing. I know this was never played live. Uh, and it's just a great hooky fucking, you know, melodic rocking hard rock song you know i'm telling you this is total point of entry shit right here but it's great it's fucking awesome and i absolutely love the song it's got this great commercial feel and i honestly believe this could have been a good hit this could have done really good but well, you know. well actually it was the second single off the album wow not promoted at all because i never heard it on the radio and there's no video yeah well i'll tell you what this is something i want to look up on uh discogs because if you get the the 45 of this, it has something that wasn't even on the Metalology box set or any greatest hits they did. They do an eight-minute medley uh, with voiceover chronicling the history of the band. What? What do you mean? Yeah, well, they, they, it's, it's if you flip over the, the 45... It, it, you know, it's got Take These Chains on the A side. On the B side is an eight-minute-plus medley of Judas Priest studio tracks with voiceover chronicling the history of the band. Wow, that sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, and, it, and, and I'm surprised, you know, I was... Because, you know, I got Metalology, like, right when it came out. And I was like, oh, they had to put this on the box set, and I just don't remember it. No, it's never been released since. I've never so, heard of this in my life. So that that's something, man. Go on Discogs because you can't buy forty fives on Discogs. I wonder if uh, it's on YouTube. I don't know. That that's something to have. I'd have to because they what, don't. What's it called? They they don't list. They don't list. Oh, well, they list the B side as just screaming for vengeance, but it's not the the okay. track screaming for vengeance. Uh, hmm. And I don't know if it's. Well, I mean, it, it's a medley of Judas Priest studio tracks. I don't know if it's just a medley of songs off this album or if it's like of the history but if right. they're on the history it's probably a bunch of different ones but uh going yeah, from sin after to... sin up right 
but I'm gonna have to look that up. But yeah, to you, this day, they don't own none of that goal shit. Right, right. The first two. Uh, but you did mention this was written by an outside writer, Bob Halligan Jr., uh, who also wrote some heads are gonna roll. I knew he did something yeah, off Defenders. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, off Defenders of the Faith, and I, I love that song as well. Yeah, and, great and it, song. And again, it's it's a, a poppier, catchier yeah. side. He yeah. also co-wrote uh, or, or wrote a song that I love on Resurrection called Twist, which ah, uh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, and and again, if you look at that album, it's one of the catchier, poppier songs. Right, but. This guy is also known to do some horrible atrocities as well. What kiss song did he do? <laughs> uh, he co-wrote two songs on uh, Hot in the Shade. <laughs> nah, you're, are you serious? I'm being dead serious. Oh my god, I was just fucking kidding. <laughs> what songs were they? Rise to It. And, oh, I like that one. And Read My Body. <laughs> Uh, he wrote the worst song in history with he, Brandon. He also wrote... Brandon? Two, yeah, yeah. He also wrote two of the worst songs ever by Blue Oyster Cult. They did a horrible album called Club Ninja. Oh, yeah, it, I know that album. It, it's by far the worst thing they've ever done. And it was them trying to be cock rocky. And he wrote two of the worst songs on that album, Beat it, Beat em Up and Make Rock, Not War. Good Lord. Uh, yeah, I remember those. Yeah, horrible. Right. Very, very oyster cult. Right. Uh, he also wrote Rock You for Helix. Give me oh, an yeah. R! Yeah. Oh, oh. Well, that, that's, that's like the equivalent of Kiss Meets the Phantom. It's so bad, it's great. Yeah, it's so bad, it's great. But yeah, he, he wrote that too. Uh, he And he also, this is something you'll dig, he also co-wrote most of the songs on Icon's album, Night of the Crime. You see, I'm not a fan of that album, and that album is glorified by so many people. That is a very well-respected album. I really dislike it, because it's it's very AOR, and that's their second album. You know, yeah. coming from the first killer album, they right. went into this album, and dude, there's people that swear by Night of the Crime, like it's a, like this kind of hidden masterpiece. I don't get it. And uh, I own it. I do have it on vinyl. I mean, I ran out and bought it because I loved the first album. Right. But, yeah, that, that, there's a lot of people that really praise that album a lot. I uh, don't get it. I, I don't hate it, but it's not as good as the first one. By any... I thought it was so such a right. sellout album to me. And also, you said you like Bonfire, huh? Well, I, I no, I, I, I know the song Star War, and I really like it. Okay. Well, but he... I never really looked into them. He, he co-wrote uh, a song on their 89 album, Point Break. He he wrote a song uh, for Cher. Uh, he wrote, uh, he co-wrote most of the songs on Kix's third album, Midnight Dynamite. Uh, he was also a co-writer on Don't Close My, Don't Close Your Eyes. He also so, co-wrote Garantula with Thrasher Die. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's had success. Uh, some I love and, and then some I definitely hate. Yeah, I'm looking them up now. Dude, I did not realize he wrote uh, Let's Rock in Hell by Turbo Faster. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love that one. Oh. oh, my God. Turbo Faster. Uh, by far. <laughs> yeah, better by far. <laughs> uh, but I, I love Take These Chains. Uh, I think it's a great moody rocker. 
uh, Moody, it's Happy. Uh, oh no no no! You're right. You're right. The 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 verses are kind of moody. Da, 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 yeah, da, yeah. You know, compared to the other yeah. stuff, it's no a no little... no. It is moody. I, I was just thinking of the the happy chorus. Right. Uh, but the rest of it, you know, it's you know, especially after you know, you know, Electric Eye, Ride and Win Bloodstone, you get to this. Yeah, it's definitely different. But that... it reminds it reminds me a bit of uh, a song you don't like. I if I'm correct. Uh, Evening Star. It kind of reminds me of Evening Star. Uh, I, I don't you know, get the, that. The verses, the verses of Evening Star remind me of the chorus of this song. You should listen to them back to back. You'll see what I mean. You know, you know, they might, but I just don't see the connection because I don't like Evening Star. Um, well, Evening Star doesn't like you. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> no, maybe that's what I, I think. Evening Star talks shit about me. That's when I came out of That's Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I, heard, I heard Evening Star now is. Uh, Co-host on, uh, you know, ten ten cocks. I want to yeah, suck. Sucks cocks. Sucks sucks ten cocks. <laughs> oh god! But uh, God, we're funny. But uh, a great song, yeah, yeah. Second single, and I see why it was released as a single, uh, because you know we'll get to it later. What was the first single? You know, surprise, surprise. But uh, the band had no intention of releasing that as a single. And that's why it's buried so deep in the album. Uh, they were expecting something more like this, but the record company said no. I'm very uh, shocked because, you know, I really was up to everything back then. I never knew this was a single at all. Yeah. At all. Well, I mean, I mean, did you know that, that uh, Electric Eye was a single? No, but at least MTV showed live footage of that song, which would make sense. But, right. but this, I mean, I never heard this song on the radio. Or anything. I've heard another thing coming a million times on the radio. And I've heard uh, uh, Electric Eye on the radio. Not that much, but I've heard it here and there. Back in the day, back in those days, you know. Right. But, uh, yeah, it was released as a single. And, uh, and then, like I say, man, I got to look up this 45 because I want to hear that fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to hear that. I'm a huge Priest fan. Yeah. They're, my, they're my third favorite band of all time. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> don't go there okay all right uh, so let's go into the next track which is pain and pleasure Ooh. oh you want to take this one or you want me to take it? you give me pain but you give me pleasure this song is badass this is uh the sequel to uh, evil fantasies in my opinion uh it's got that dirty kinky fucked up sexual thing that you know is very like you know how i always talk about how you know twisted sister i am on me fight a good fight triumph was very inspirational this shit was very inspirational when i was fucking the whores <laughs> you know i love this fucking song dude. like we, we talked about your evil fantasies earlier this this is what you want to see the harlem globetrotters do to your girlfriend mm, right in front of me <laughs> as i film it and jack off see <laughs> nothing wrong with that that shit's a turn on <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna jack off the porn to chicks I don't know. I'm more, I'm more fucking human. I want to do it. I want to jack off to a chick I know, married to, love of my life, getting fucking pig roasted by the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know if I ever brought this up to you, uh, or if you ever saw it, but it's on one of our YouTube videos for uh, one of our Van Halen reviews, and. The guy get, leaving the comment is credited 
as David Lee Roth. Now, whether it's David Lee Roth or not, I don't know, but he's like... I doubt it. But he put, great show, I really like this, but the guy that wanted to watch his girlfriend get gang-banged while wearing a Richard Nixon mask kind of disturbed me. <laughs> I said that? <laughs> so I can't remember if it's a Richard Nixon mask or something, but he's talking about... Like, yeah, the guy who wants to watch his old lady get gangbanged while he wears a mask and sits in the corner kind of disturbed me. <laughs> what a prude. And I, I, I just, you know, in a way, I kind of hope it was Dave. Yeah, you know <laughs> that one, Dave. Dave's done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but, man, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, exactly. I put, you know, sequel to uh, Evil Fantasies. Uh, I want to. Oh, no, wrong song. Uh, Keep going. I, I I love this one, and to me, it's a dirty sleaze rocker. I don't consider this cock rock at all, but I definitely consider it sleaze rock because it, it, it's got just a down and dirty groove with the way he delivers the lyrics, the guitar on it, man. It just drips fucking sex. Uh, and, and I like it, and as, as we know, it could go either way with this band, you know. But uh, it works perfectly. What a great way to end side one. Hell yeah. Holy shit. Uh, and again, this is one of those... This is what makes this album as awesome as it is, is. Is tracks like this that... You don't know if you don't know this album. This has never been on any greatest hits, though it deserves to be. Never played live? Yeah, yeah I'm sure never played live. Could you imagine if they pulled this one out Oof. oh my god they uh, should i remember uh the epitaph tour when they played blood red skies i was like holy fuck they never played that live you know and I yeah, was like, Whoa, that's, you know, that's my yeah my favorite song off that album yeah oh yeah it's like the only highlight on ram it down yeah. uh but you know i wish they would have done a tour playing this in its entirety i'd rather see this in its entirety than british steel uh, but unfortunately, they never did it, and you know now, unfortunately, now they'll never get to do it with Glenn Tipton. Uh, but oh man, or yeah, KK, <laughs> yeah, KK, KK's the Vinnie Vincent of Judas Priest. Oh, that fucker God. has burned that bridge big time. I, I tell you, as much damage as he's done, I hope somebody bought that fucking book. I did. Uh, have you read it yet? No, no, I, I got to get around to it. Well, after a perfect way to end side one, why don't you flip this fucker over and start off side two with the title track? Here we go with Metallic's 80s Priest with bringing that throwback of 70s Priest with this bombastic title track, full blast. I mean, right, I mean, power chord, high notes, 100 miles per hour, killer singing. This is like, this is like painkiller before painkiller uh exciter you know the exciter vibe you know let us pray uh you know all this shit with the fucking amazing uh dual guitar playing from uh you know that you know and them going back and forth but then they coming in the middle and together doing the you know harmonies and shit i'm sorry man i love maiden but this is right here an example why i don't understand how anybody can say murray and smith is better than this guitar duo. This song right here is, dude. Like you know, Maiden's more like, dee, 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 yeah. Dee, dee, yeah. you know what I mean? Maiden's melodic. Kip, yeah, like Tipton and KK are metal. 
And when they're and this song has a melodic part to it, but it's much more metallic melodic. You know what I mean? Like Oh my god, this fucking song, dude, is fucking perfect. And what a great way to start side two. <laughs> you know, and another analogy, you know, Bruce prances around like a fairy. Rob is actually a fairy and is more metal. <laughs> Rob, Rob Halford is like one of the coolest fucking front men. The way he like, I mean, there was a time there he kind of sucked. Like Angel Retribution, I didn't like how he was acting on stage then. He looked too robotic and tired. Oh. But back in these days, oh, yeah. dude, he just like walked around like a badass, which he is, you know? Hell yeah. Love it. Screaming for Vengeance fucking rules oh Why yeah don't you take that song in oh yeah screaming I, I mean screaming for vengeance not only a great title for the for the song but for the album and everything and this is them coming back and i think answering any questions that people had about you know their heaviness after point of entry uh, you know this is like okay that was too light for you how about this you know the heaviest of the heavy you were spot on about Painkiller before Painkiller. Spot on about comparing it to Exciter. I mean, this is Priest showing why they probably are the most metal band. Even though, it, you know, Black Sabbath invented it. But Sorry, they're, uh, hey, Black Sabbath is my favorite band of all time. Priest is more metal than Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because Priest, I mean, if you invent something, you, you know, you're bringing other influences and adding something to create something new. What you know, what Priest did was take it and take it to the next level. And to me, it's true heavy metal. You know, uh, I mean, not that Sabbath isn't, but you, you know, you know what I'm saying. They they took it to another level, made it even heavier. And 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 to me, this was like the heaviest thing until Thrash came along. Uh, yeah, you're 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 100 right. I mean. Uh, you know, like people like me that when, you know, Thrash came along and the hairband and Turbo and all that shit, Priest really was kind of like the stepping stone for us metalheads at that time to get into, to ease into Thrash, especially a song like this. Oh, yeah. And I mean, just, I mean, fuck yeah, from the, from those riffs to the rapid fire vocals. Uh, I mean, this song just has everything. Uh, but I think it's one of those, it's it's heavy as fuck, but I, I don't think it, it's, like, too heavy to where it could, you know, alienate people who can't handle thrash. I understand some people just can't handle thrash. It's just too much for them. The same way I understand just some people who even like thrash can't take death metal. It's just too much. But this, to me, is, like, really pushing the boundaries without you know, overdoing it, but really like just delivering a sledgehammer of fucking metal. God. Best part, best part of the song, dude. When the fucking band stops toward the end, he goes, Scream! Holy oh. fuck! Oh my God, I got chills just thinking about it. Amazing. Fuck yeah, man. Rob Halford deserves the title of the Metal God. Oh. And right here, it's like, dude, there's no denying this motherfucker is the voice of metal. The greatest voice of metal. I think he's the best voice in heavy metal. Period. Thank you.
I would say I, w- I would say so. I mean, I mean, as much as I love Ronnie James Dio, I love Dio as a close second. But I, 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 I love I love Dio, but to me, Dio comes from the same ilk of Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah you know, he right. he brings other different influences. You know, and takes it somewhere. But Rob Halford is just pure metal. Yeah, Rob Halford has the banshee scream. Yeah, yeah, and that's fucking metal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, I'll take the next song, which is the one everybody knows. Uh, you got another thing coming. This is the one that the band, uh, they wrote this very late in the album. They considered the album done and said, ah, let's do one more. And they did this, and it was an afterthought. Uh, but the record company fell in love with it. And, and even the band was like, really? That's the one? We just added it. Uh, but I, I think the record company was smart. <laughs> Because this is the catchiest song on the album. Not, the, you know, necessarily the best, but this is the catchiest. This is the one that has the ability to reach people who normally wouldn't listen to music like this. Uh, an incredible song. And the, the great thing about this is I never, ever, ever get tired of this song. Uh, whereas... You know, with Breaking the Law and Living After Midnight, I love those songs. I, I will always love them. But, oh my God, if, if I saw a Priest and they didn't play those two songs, I'd still be like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. But if they didn't do this, I would I would be pissed off. I'm trying uh, to think what tour it was they didn't do this. There was one? Yeah, dude. I can't remember what it when it was. Though. Oh, God, yeah. You yeah. lost me there. I cannot fathom. They did them not playing this. Yeah. What, what was it? A Ripper tour? No, no, no. Ripper always did it. I, I, I can't remember. And you know, it must have been a time restraint type thing. But I think it was the British Steel. Uh, hard well, it, it wasn't out on British. Oh, oh, no, oh, no, okay, the, okay. The, where they played that whole album. Right, right, like, right. I have it on DVD, so maybe they did play it. I don't recall it. I know there was a show I saw. Priest, they didn't play this song. I do remember that. Holy shit! Yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah, that, that 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 just boggles my mind because it's the biggest hit they ever had. Yeah, it uh, it's what made them. Yeah, and uh, and, and it, it's a perfect fucking song. I mean, uh, there's just nothing left to be said. I mean, this is bands would kill for a song this iconic. And, uh, and and legendary and, and like I said I never ever have gotten sick of it and that's amazing for, for a song as overplayed as this and you know you know this is one of those songs that you know when they try to sum up a band oh you know it's like this is the one that sums up Judas Priest where Kisses is uh, rock and roll all night and I never ever want to hear that song again the rest of my life uh, I still love this song every time I hear it even when I'm listening, to it, I didn't I didn't skip it, though I've heard it a million times because it just fits perfect. Uh, the first priest song I ever heard, and love it still to this day. What do you think? I'll tell you three things I absolutely love about this song. The first line of the song is the way everybody should live their life. One life, I'm gonna live it up. And I love how he says, "You think I'll let it go? You're mad." And in uh, the in the fucking Glenn Tipton solo, holy fuck! The rest I don't like. Dude. <laughs> I I never really was 
It's my least favorite song on the album. I'm not being countercultural because I felt this way even before the video came out. I was shocked they used this like, you know, like you said. I would be a dummy as a record executive because I would not have picked this song. And it, and whoever did pick it did the right thing because it, it made Judas Priest an arena act. Um, but, you know, there's something about songs that, you know, when somebody sings and then the riff and then you sing again, the riff, like, it that has always bothered me. Like, you know, you sing a line and then, dan, 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 and then you sing the line, dan, dan, dan. that repetition thing, there's a lot of songs like that. And I never liked that formula. I remember there was a Thrash Your Die song that uh, Willie brought to me that was kind of like that. I was like, no, uh, we're not doing that, dude. We're gonna, I'm going to have to sing through that whole, you know, no, stop there. Let me do the riff. No, I want to sing over that riff, you know. I just have this thing about that. So this song does have that. But like I said, there's three little tiny elements about the song that I absolutely love. It's not a bad song. To me, it, even though it's not, but I consider it a filler. And I considered it a filler back in the day before I even saw the video. I thought it was the weakest song on the album. And, uh, and, and no, I'm not sick of it. I just never really, you know, it never really grasped me. And uh, has it ever, it, has it never got you like at a pre-show where it all made sense or, or are you always like oblivious to it? Yeah, I mean, no, no. I got into it at live shows because I sang along. I screamed along when Rob made us do, you got another thing coming. You know, that little breakdown right. section where he makes the crowd sing it. Because, you know, Preach is so phenomenal that even a song I don't like, I'll get into because it's Rob Offer telling me to. Uh, but, uh, again, I don't want to slam the song like, hey, it's a shit song. But it's my least favorite and it has elements I don't like in songs. But, and I'm, I see, man, I swear to Black Sabbath, I'm not trying to be countercultural by saying, no, since it's popular, I don't like it. Because I love breaking the law. I love, you know, uh, living after midnight and whatever, you know. I love uh, uh, some popular songs, you know. It's just, this is one that um, never really, I mean, not, you know, spoiler alert, you know, every other song is way better, I think, on this album. But I dig it. What's next, Fever? Yes, sir. Let me tell you something about this song, Fever. Definitely the most underrated track on the album, I think. Possibly the most underrated track of the 80s, along with The Rage. Um, I love this song. The melody, the way he sings this shit. Fever, you set my soul on fire. And again, it's got that, you know, kind of like a commercial feel, like Take These Chains. Really good little twist on side two, where it was like, you know, another thing common, Scream for Vengeance, very metal. This one takes a more, you know, mellow approach. You know, you can, you know, even though it's not a ballad, it's the closest you get to a ballad on this album. Uh, I absolutely fucking adore this song. It's, uh, you know, I would have put that up, you know, one of my favorites on here after the first three uh, on this album. Love it. What do you think? Oh, fuck yeah. You know, and it's funny, I, I was talking to to somebody today you know about reviewing this album and that i knew uh you preferred british steel over this album and, and i couldn't understand why i go i can't remember but i know there's one song he doesn't like on this album and i didn't know it was you got another thing coming i couldn't remember and the person said uh it's probably fear and i'm like well if it is i'm gonna laugh in his fucking face because fever kicks ass i i didn't know that it was you got another thing coming 
And I'm glad you love this song because I love this fucking song. I think it's another moody track, uh, kind of like Take These Chains, a different turn, a different style for the album. But once again, like I talked about, the glue that holds this album together. And, uh, you know, this isn't a long album. I, th- I think it's like 38 minutes. It, it's, you know, it follows the 10 track rule that I love all killer, no filler. Uh, but it, it does, it dares to be different. And it kicks ass. I love this one, man. And there's that light in the shade that you know you love from Judas Priest. Awesome fucking track. Oh, yeah. I'll take the last one. Devil's Child. Eat my diamonds! <laughs> Eat my diamonds! I love this shit. Oh, fuck yeah. What a great way to leave you wanting more. And that's what I always talk about. My favorite album closers. Uh, a track that makes you, you know, you know, wanting more. Or like, fuck, I gotta flip this fucker over and start the whole thing again because it's so damn good. What a perfect way to end this. And, you know, if you follow the formula of, you know, a lot of other albums, they would end this with one of the weirder different tracks like Fever or Take These Chains, you know, something a little bit different. But Priest was smart enough to end it with Devil's Child because you want to talk about going out on a fucking high note. Oh, fucking incredible and unfortunately I think this was only played uh, on the first two dates of the tour no inaccurate no okay hold on I, I gotta look at my notes I know there was one song that they played on the first two dates that never re- oh I'm sorry that was Fever Fever they played wow yeah, yeah. really Fever they, I... pla- they played on the first two dates of the tour and then dropped it fuck yeah I never thought that was played live. Yep, no, no. Fever was played twice. Wow. But, I'd love to hear them do that live. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. That'd be great if there was a bootleg of that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Devil said, yeah, I should have known that was played more. I'm drunk. Because, uh, yeah, this one's fucking classic, man. And, and, and an, again, an awesome album track. Uh, I, you know, never appeared on a Greatest Hits album. A live album, but uh, oh man, Devil's Child, classic 80s Judas Priest at its finest, fantastic way to end it. What do you think? They brought it back on Angel Retribution, too. Uh, when I saw that tour, they played it. Yeah, well, I, I saw it too. I saw that tour, but I only saw them at on the Ozfest, and I don't know if they played it at Ozfest. No, I'm sorry, uh, not Angel Retribution, um, the one. One before the last one. Um, oh, Redeemer of Souls. Yeah, on that tour, they did that song. Which I was like, great. Because I saw Scream for Vengeance. And I know, you know, I saw Scream for Vengeance when they were on the road for a while. But, uh, fuck, dude, Devil's Child, you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This fucking song, dude. I mean, it's like that cool, killer, heavy metal mid-tempo. And then fucking Rob Hoffer, dude, when he belts out that... You took my heart and left it blown to smithereens. Fuck, dude. I'm getting... Dude, the fur is rising, bro. Just thinking about that. I gave my body as a slave. Wow, dude. That section, dude. When he's like, you cut my flesh and drank my blood that poured in streams. I'm left here broken and ashamed. And then back to going under. Feel the thunder. 
dude. Come on. Fuck Iron Maiden. And fuck Kiss while you're at it. Dude, this fucking song fucking owns and KK Solo, dude. Whoa, man. This is, yeah. You want to talk about an album, a song that leaves you satisfied and wanting more. This is the perfect song to, to, to end this. And, you know, this is something I didn't say about Bloodstone that connects with this song. This song, it, it ends very repetitious like Bloodstone. You know, like Bloodstone goes on forever. And this one, I believe you're the devil. To, I can't take it anymore. And then it just abruptly stops. Yeah. But, but the thing is, it's like, when the fuck does repetition not bore you? You know? I mean, Bloodstone and Devil's Child has this repetitious ending that it's like, keep going. I don't give a fuck. It's fucking <laughs> awesome. I love it. Probably uh, my second favorite song on the album. I would say going back now on rating wow. this, uh, Electric Eye, Devil's Child, Bloodstone, uh, Fever, and, and Riding on my Right on the uh, No. Oh, you got, I have you to Screaming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Screaming, Screaming. Then, then fever, then riding on the wind. Uh, what, what about pain and pleasure? Shit. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, right, it, right. No, it's no, no, no. so right. good. <laughs> pain and pleasure, take these chains would be under those. They're all great. I'm just right. stacking them up because this album's so fucking classic. Right. You know, and nothing coming at the bottom. Well, well, well. That, that's what surprises me though is you you would say your favorite '80s is British Steel though. It is. Um, it now, is now, now, timeline, you know. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Would you say it's your favorite based on when it came out more so than overall the songs? No, uh, dude, Steeler, The Rage, um, fucking uh, Rapid Fire, Metal Gods, Grinder. Uh, I like those songs, you know, better than the songs on this album. There's just something so magical about British Steel to me. It's just, uh, okay. I don't know. It's just like, uh, I just prefer it. I think it's the best album they've done uh, since the 70s. I still uh, well, turn it over anything after that album. You know, and, and, and again, when it comes to that, I would have to say, uh, you know, I have to follow my rule of is there a song I don't like? And I love every song on this, but I don't like United. You know? Right, and so, I, lo I love that song. So, to me, it's an instant fucking, okay, this one wins. Um... But I would say, God damn, as great as British Steel is. Uh, the songs that I love on this, I, I think I love even more than what's on British Steel. So to me, this is their greatest 80s album and tied for my all-time uh, studio album by Judas Priest. Uh, some days, my absolute favorite is Staying Class. Some days, it's Screaming for Vengeance. Uh, but it's always between those two. you know. Because, yeah, I mean, everybody knows, yeah, Unleashed fucking amazing great you know even you know when we did the greatest live albums of all time uh your number one was unleashed in the east and it was my number two uh my number one was uh motorhead kiss alive. Yeah, no motorhead <laughs> no sleep was, was it kiss alive three i mean the no, same no, one no that's four uh <laughs> Actually, I was fucking with Chris Sinzak today because he was all bitching about this fucking tour, and then he ends up getting a ticket. And I go, you know what? I hope they play Sonic Boom in its entirety. And then I put Unplugged. And then I put With a Symphony. <laughs> and then I put yeah. Wearing Capes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
with but, Paul's voice. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Now, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, to, to me, those two are the epitome of all killer, no filler. Uh, what's your favorite '70s priest? Uh, you know what? I, you know, I was gonna say this after you said Stained Class. For many years, that was my favorite studio album, but. Uh, in about like two, three years ago, I changed it to Sad Wings. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I still love Stained Class. Don't get me wrong. It's very close to. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, Sad Wings I find amazing, but then you got like Epitaph that just like. No. Yeah, I, I'll, 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 dude, that song blows. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, again, I mean, look at, you know, the Ripper. You, you know, fucking uh, Island Deceiver, Tom. Victim yeah. of Cages, no, Tyrant. All, yeah, exactly. I mean, all those amazing. Genocide. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the incredible ballad, Dream, Dream Deceiver. Yeah, I, I mean, again, you, I mean, valid points. But then I look at, there is no song that I dislike on, on Stank Well, you see, well, talking about Kiss, oh my God. I like more songs on Peter Chris's solo album. And I only like two songs off Paul Stanley's, but I'll put Paul Stanley over Peter Chris because those two songs blow away all the good songs on Peter Chris's album. Eh, so it does eh. to me. It, it's like, dude, the quality of the song. Yeah. You know, you can throw a stinker on there, I, I but dude, like all those songs that are awesome, which is you know everything but Epitaph, right. kind of makes it my favorite. You know, right. okay, it's got a blemish, you know, but whatever. Get clear so. But and just uh, fucking. I, I, I mean, you get. But you gotta agree, there's not one bad song in State Class. None. That's why I brought that up. Alrighty. Well, this album was released July 17th, 1982. Uh, For the most part, recorded in Spain. But overdubs and mixing was done by you in Coconut Grove, Florida. Oh, I thought it was Criteria. No, no, in Coconut Grove. Oh, I think it was Defenders of the Faith was Criteria. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it is their biggest selling album with, uh, you know, and, and, and this is sad. Uh, it's their biggest selling album with five million worldwide. Uh, pretty should have sold many more albums than that. Uh, it did go double platinum in the U.S. Uh, made it uh, in the U.S. charts at seventeen, and seventeen on the U.S. charts in nineteen eighty two. Big deal. Yeah, big fucking deal. Now, yeah, nowadays you see somebody go top ten. It doesn't fucking matter, and it's gone the next week. You know? Yeah, my my band made it to top ten. Yeah, exactly. That's how bad it is in Bulgaria. Um, but uh, absolutely amazing. Produced, of course, by Tom Allman. Uh, you know, produced all the '80s albums except for Painkiller. Uh, he's in the Allman Brothers. Yes, <laughs> but. Uh, Oh man, and this is just—it's it, it, fucking legendary, man. It's—it's it's incredible. And I know, like, when you talk about greatest '80s, you know, you, you got your British Steel people, you got your screaming people, you got your, and you know, you got your painkillers too. Uh, but to me, th- this one really epitomizes everything about Priest into one album. And uh, wow, I, I can't believe it took us this long to do screaming. Well, thank Gene Elizabeth for that. Oh, yeah. And I got to say, I mean, look at it. Look how recently we've done three Jude's Priest albums. So that tells you, as much as the Kiss nerds love the Kiss episodes, when the fans speak and they put their money up, we got 
demolition. <laughs> Fucking hell-bent <laughs> for leather and, and screaming for vengeance, you know? And, uh, so hey, two I, out of three ain't bad. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it just shows you how well-loved amongst true metal fans Judas Priest is. And uh, I have no problems putting out that many Priest albums or Priest reviews uh, closely together, man, because you guys paid for it, you deserve it, and we love talking about it. Yeah, speaking of people who paid for it, I want to give a little shout-out to David Swick, who asked for Demolition. Now, uh, it all made sense to me the other day what he wrote. You get ready for this one, Ian. Right. <laughs> he said, you know, I agree with a lot of Ralph's reviews, but the one I don't agree with is Peter Chris all for one. <laughs> I shit you not. He is the only guy on this planet that fucking likes that album. Not even Peter Chris likes oh, that album. I, I, I thought you were going to say he thought you were too light on it. No, he actually <laughs> liked it. And I was like, oh, Lord. I was like, wow. Oh, Lord. Somebody, but you know, you, somebody you, has to. You know, Dave, bless his heart. He's a young man. No, no, I, 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 I love him. I just had to, and I'm also giving him a shout out. He, I think he's superior than everybody in the human race that gets it. Oh my God. It is so awesome. And, and we love Black Heron here. Yeah, we were so lucky yeah. to see You got to form with him. And uh, I can't wait till we see him again. And I expect yeah. big things from these guys with their next album that they're recording right now. Fuck uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, hell yeah. All right, well now let's go into week. Do you have a pick of the week, Ralph? No, damn it. Uh, okay. Go ahead, let me look. Well, I do, and I wanted to pick one that was, you know, around this era. Close, something similar to Screaming for Vengeance. And I came up with the one that I think uh, is a very underrated album. And probably the final album by what most people would consider the classic era of Saxon. And that is Power and Glory. Yeah. Uh, I just think I mean, that is a molten metal of an album. And, uh, man, Saxon was just on a roll back. Now, after Power and Glory, they tried to, to break a little bit more in America. You know, I think they saw the success that, you know, Priest and Maiden and other people were having, and then they started to go lighter, and I think Saxon was like, well, maybe that's what we have to do, too. And, you know, hats off to Saxon. In hindsight, that really only lasted for about three or four albums. And then in the early 90s, they went back to just saying, hey, fuck all this shit, let's be Saxon. And, you know, they released quality albums during the 90s and in the 2000s. They keep releasing stuff that's really, in my opinion, on par with the classic era. But this, to me, would be the swan song of the classic era. I mean, the title track alone, you know, and Eagle has landed. I mean, just amazing. I really dig it. You're a fan of that one? Love it, man. I love everything uh, up to that. I love Crusader, too. Yeah, it. yeah, Crusader. Yeah, Crusader, yeah, Crusader was after this one, but that's, that's a good one, too. Yeah, I love that one, too. But, yeah, I mean, I mean as far as, like, their classic sound overall, I, I think that's, you know, that, that, that was the cap of it. So check it out. You got a pick of the week now? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, and I just thought of it because I, I played it when I got back from the movies today. 
Uh, it's a Queen song. I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, as you heard earlier in the show. And I put on Queen 2. Uh, Queen 2, I think, is a very underrated... You know, and it's kind of like, I, you know, if you're a Queen maniac, this would be like, you know, an album you really would worship. Uh, it's more of a... I don't know. It's, it's kind of a... It's, a, it's an album that every song intertwines with each other. There's no, like, silence between tracks and shit. Uh, and, you know, you have... You know, a lot of people point at Stone Cold Crazy as the birth of thrash. But, you know, I mean, Ordinary Battle is pretty much fucking just as heavy and just as thrashy. And then, you know, March of the Black Queen is so heavy and dark and brooding. And, you know, White Queen is uh, just a masterpiece. Uh, and Seven Seas of Rhyme, the way it ends. Uh, I absolutely love Queen 2. It is my pick of the week. Queen 2, check it out, guys. All right, well, well let me ask you this. I, I've never listened to Queen 2. Uh, I know Seven Seas of Rye. I, I know that song. I like that song, actually. Uh, but you, you know how weird my radio show is, and I'm, I'm doing it tomorrow. I'm going to let you handpick a song. You know, what I always try to do is play a song, you know, you know not necessarily a hit, but something weird. Get, give me a song to play on my show tomorrow off of Queen 2, and I'll play it. Or Great Battle. Okay. Done. Done. Yeah. Play that one. That shit fucking rules. Uh, Heavy as fuck. All right. Well, I will do that. Okay. Well, now it's time to go into Fan of the Week. And, oh, my God, this one is for the Queen, Miss Gina Elizabeth. G- yeah. Gina has been there since the beginning. Uh, Gina listens to every episode, even though I know we cover stuff that she doesn't necessarily like. I don't think she's into, like, the heavier stuff, uh, you, you know, like the real, you know, like Death Angel and stuff like that. But she's going to listen to the Death Angel episode because she loves what we do. And we and she's lo- a female. Very rare. Yeah, and very beautiful. Yeah, she's a beautiful girl. And, uh... And man, that that's just incredible. You know, at this sausage fest that we have here, you know, there's very very little of the female audience, but she is the OG, the original. Uh, you know, she's always there at my radio show, and just I mean, you you can't buy that kind of loyalty. Uh, we appreciate you so much, Gina, and we're very happy to to do this for you. And thank you. It's because of you we were able to have. The Rocket Pod Expo because nobody donated for Sucks Ten Cox. You know, Rocket Metal Combat Podcast had to raise that money, and it's thanks to awesome people like you. And this is actually uh, the first of two episodes we are doing for Gene Elizabeth because that's how yeah. awesome she is. The other one's very different, but still kick ass. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But Gina, we, we hope you enjoyed this, and uh, I, I know you did. And, and as Gina would say, Turn it up. Uh, oh, my goodness. Ms. Thank Gina, you, Gina. Yeah, we love you, and thank you so much. Thank you, Gina. All right. Well, now it's time to get into the plugs. Greetings, Troubled Nation. Welcome to the Troubled Men Podcast. I'm Renee Komen, and every week I sit down with my co-host, Manny Chevrolet, in New Orleans' notorious ring room to discuss good times and air grievances over cocktails. You're no, here. I'm here for the free drinks. You're here for the free drinks. <laughs> yes. We are the troubled men for troubled times. Uh, yeah, it was all right. Those poppers worked. <laughs> this is the Troubled Men Podcast. Join us, won't you? Yeah, come for the oysters. Stay for the white privilege. Find us on Apple Podcasts and all social media.
listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten. And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday exclusively on YouTube. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina. Skitter Pal Meow Meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, funk, soul, and anything else I've deemed necessary. Wadzilla World, only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be here or be a bitch. Hey there, it's Dr. Fuck giving you the Dr. Fuck Show ID. That's right. The Dr. Fuck Show, airing here every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Come in and join the chat room. It's always a great, crazy time. That's right. I've been doing this for years on that metal station, and you will love it. Nobody hates the Dr. Fuck Show. And what I mean by that is if you hate the Dr. Fuck Show, 
you're a nobody. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this perfect fucking album, come back next week. But bring a translator when we're doing the debut album from Menudo Cannonball. This is the one I've been waiting for. This is the one I donated for. Yes. Uh, God damn it. We are getting those caravan listeners. That's like 7,000 new subscribers to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, and we are going to cater. Hell yeah. Say something yeah. in Spanish, Ralph. Me gusta mucho uh, Ian Wadley porque él es maricón. What he said is, I'm his buddy, and he respects my opinion. Él es más maricón que de Freddie Mercury. What he said. Alcoholico. That's next week. <laughs> on El Rock and Roll Metal Podcastio. Come back. Yo, quie, yo quiero ser el hama hama cuando tu granddaughter cumpla 18 años. <laughs> that didn't sound good. <laughs> I threw a little Spanglish there so you can understand I was talking about banging your granddaughter when she turns 18. Ay, caramba. Comedy's not pretty. <laughs>